need a Bible, raise your hand, and we will get a Bible to you. Colossians. Colossians. Ground floor. Can I encourage you to be here for the whole thing? Don't bail out. Hang in there. Tune in. I heard someone say verse 1. Absolutely. That's where we're at this morning. Colossians 1.1. 1, 1. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning to be together to be with you, to sing songs to you, to celebrate you, to let you know that we love you, that we're so grateful for you. Thank you that our lives are in your hands, our times are in your hands. Thank you for how you shepherd us, how you care for us, how you love us, Lord, and so We just want to tell you that we love you. Thank you for first loving us, continuing to love us, and for your special work within our hearts and within your church. And we look forward this morning to a fresh work of your spirit. We thank you for the great things you're going to do this morning. Thank you for this new book that we get to study, but ultimately get to hear from you, to hear your voice. For you tell us, your sheep hear your voice. And they follow you. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Meet with us in a special way. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. All right, so I'm going to read the first couple of verses and then uh, kind of go back and give us the context for this letter. It begins with Paul, Paul writing, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, just by way of reminder, remember last week um, we just finished the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul was writing from where? He was writing from prison. This epistle is also written from prison. Which prison? Where was he at? In Rome. How do we know that the Apostle Paul was imprisoned? If you flip forward with me real quick to chapter 4. How did you know that, Pastor? Because I read ahead. Chapter 4, verse 3. Paul says, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in, what does your Bible say? In chains. Look at verse 10, same chapter. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And so we know Paul has a fellow prisoner that tells us he is where? In prison. Chapter 4, verse 18. The salutation, or this salutation rather, by my own hand, Paul, Paul's signing off, writing his his, uh, his, his uh, signature here. And then he says, remember my... What? Is that in your Bible? Remember my what? Chains. 
Remember my chain. So that tells us he is imprisoned and he's writing to a church. It's interesting. This was a church that the Apostle Paul did not plant. He wasn't the one that started this church. He wasn't the one that had pastored this church either. But it seems possibly that when Paul was in Ephesus, Acts, if you're taking notes, Acts chapter 19 through 20, Paul was there over three years in Ephesus. And it says as Paul was teaching there in Ephesus, the gospel was going out everywhere throughout all of Asia. And we're talking about the area today, what's called modern day Turkey. And so Colossae was approximately about 80 miles from Ephesus. And so it's possible, we're going to learn about this man named Epaphras. It's possible that this man named Epaphras um, eventually got converted, got saved under Paul's ministry, went to Colossae, planted the church, started the church there, and pastored the church there as well. We'll learn more about Epaphras when we read down a little bit further. And so although Paul had never, it's interesting, Paul had never been there either. Or he didn't know these people very well. But in any event, he's writing to them. He cares about them. In fact, his heart is broken for them. He's, he's, uh, he's hurting for them. We're going to find out in chapter 2 why. Because false teaching was now creeping into the church. There was a bunch of people that were trying to um, take the, the, the brothers and sisters away from a simple love relationship with Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, that does break a pastor's heart. That should break all of our hearts. I mean, think about it, parents. Would you want someone taking your kids away from you? Parents? (laughs) I didn't hear any response. I'm like, maybe we need to have a prayer meeting this morning (laughs) for the parents. You don't want someone jacking. Do you want someone jacking with your kids? Trying to take them away from you? No way, man. And so for Paul, he's... He's, he's brokenhearted. He's not happy about the false teachings that are creeping into the church to take the people away, God's precious people away from Jesus. And it's interesting. He doesn't, he doesn't address these false teachings per se, but he points them back to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, he, he's keeping the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. Christian, do you know Christianity is about Jesus? I mean, it, it sounds like, oh, duh, you know, we're not dumb, Pastor. But it, sadly, the church has gotten away so far away from Jesus and the simplicity of a real, vital, growing relationship with him, abiding in him. So Paul reminds us of the supremacy, the greatness of Jesus, who he is, and what he has done. And listen, that's what false teachers do. They try to separate you from Jesus. Jesus is the head, right? We're the body. That's what... Uh, no head, the body is what? Dead. Real simple. No head, the body's dead, right? So we need, And he's going to say later, hold fast to that. Hold fast to Jesus. And in fact, in chapter 2, he tells us why he's writing. Look at verses 6 and 7 with me real quick. Verse 6 and 7, chapter 2, he tells us why he's writing or the encouragement. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. This morning, have you received Christ Jesus the Lord? See your Lord and Savior. Here's the exhortation. So walk in him. Continue to walk. Continue to abide in Jesus. Don't leave that place of not abiding. That's where we receive our sufficiency, where we receive our wisdom, our strength, 
It's from abiding, walking with Jesus Christ. Be rooted and built up in him. Isn't that good? Be rooted. Sink your roots down into Jesus. Be grounded. Make sure he is your foundation. Jesus talked about that, didn't he? There's, wise, there's a wise builder and a foolish builder in life. There's no in-between. Either you're a wise builder this morning or you're a foolish builder. The wise builder hears Jesus' words. He said this. He said, you hear my words and do them, you build your house on the rock. When the storms come, what happens? Your house stands. You're going to be okay. Why? Because your foundation. But the people that hear, Jesus said, the people that hear my words and don't do them, it's like you're building on sand. The storm comes. The storm hits your house. And what happens? Boom. Great is the fall. Wipe out, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a church, we need to build our lives on Jesus, his words, and doing them in our lives. And so Paul says, be rooted, grounded in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught. This was a group of people that had been taught these very things, abounding in it, abounding in what you've been taught. What does abounding mean? About man, overflowing in it with what? What's the last word? What's with thanksgiving? Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. And we're gonna we're gonna read this morning many things that we should be thankful for. And you know what? It's hard to get pulled away from something you're thankful for. You know that this morning, it's hard to get pulled away for something that you're continually giving thanks for your spouse, your church, from Jesus. So look how Paul begins. He says, Paul, normal. this is his normal letter-writing custom. We're going to find out later this letter was meant to be circulated to some different churches. Paul, he says, and who is Paul? What was Paul's name before he got saved? Saul of Tarsus, right? Saul of Tarsus got radically saved, right? Met with Jesus on the road to... Damascus and said what your my life is in your hands now I'll do your whatever you want me to do I'll do it and he got radically changed did he radically transformed just like our lives as well we've experienced a radical transformation we were going northbound and now we're going southbound following Jesus we're going a totally different direction following him being led by him and so Paul he spent the rest of his life serving Jesus planting churches pastoring churches, and notice how he describes himself. What does he say? Paul, a what? Paul, an apostle. What is an apostle? Is that the wife of an epistle? What is, a, what is an apostle? A sent out one, one that is sent, an ambassador. And what that means is Paul was qualified to write this letter. He was a special representative of the Lord. And when he began his letters, remember, sometimes he begins his letters with Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so forth. Sometimes he begins his letters with this, Paul, an apostle. And when he began his letters with this title, it doesn't mean necessarily he's throwing his weight around, like, you know, check me out, I'm an, I'm an apostle, blah, blah, blah. What's, what's being communicated is this needs to be taken seriously. This needs to be taken seriously, what is being communicated. And then someone may say, well, who gave you this authority? Look what it says. An apostle of who? 
of Jesus Christ. Paul was commissioned, sent forth by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of who? By the will of God. When we say God's will, it means God's choice or God's desire. This wasn't Paul saying, yeah, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. This is what God chose for me. And hopefully we're all doing what we're doing by the will of God. If not, say, Lord, I want your will to be done. Don't we learn that prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. When we're praying that, we're saying, my kingdom goes, I want your kingdom. My will goes, I want your will to be done in my life. Your choice, your desire, Lord. And when we leave, when we leave the choice to God, guess what? He gives us the best when we leave the choice with him. We say, Lord, this is what I want to do, but whatever... You know what's best. You see the big picture. You know all the details. You've wired me. You've made me a certain way. And Lord, I will follow you and be led by you. Here's my life. It's in your hands. That is a place of, that is a peace, place of joy, by the way. Place of peace is just simply trusting the Lord. Well, look what else he says here. By the will of God. So he's under God's authority, God's choice. And then who's writing with him? Timothy, remember who Timothy was? Paul's like sidekick, his protege. He saw him as a son in the faith. So there, apparently, Timothy's also there in Rome with Paul. We don't know if Timothy was under arrest or not, but he was there with him. And notice how he describes Timothy, our brother. He's family. We are connected together. And then Paul says to who? Who's he writing to? To the to the saints. Is that that horrible team from New Orleans he's talking about? <laughs> what? Don't be saying that, Pastor. They're really good. <laughs> what are the, <laughs> I'm just making sure you guys are with me this morning. It's a joke. Who are the saints? We are. Let's qualify that, though. Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Saint means, so check this out, and we have a lot, look around the room, all saints, but it's interesting what it means. That word means set apart. Set apart for special use. Set apart ones. Different, distinct. Who are we set apart for? Or who are we to be set apart for? Who are we to be set apart for, guys? For the Lord, for Jesus. For his use. I mean, that's, isn't that a good reminder this morning? We're, our, our lives are to be instruments in his hands, to be distinct, set apart for him. Do you guys have anything at home that's set apart for special use? Some of you guys got special dishes maybe that you use only when certain dinner. You guys, anybody like that? No? I'll give an, can I give you an illustration? Tanya's wedding dress, separate, distinct. She wore it one time. It was set apart just for that day for her use right? I'm trying to get my daughters to use it too someday <laughs> to save money. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> but it has a special use. Listen, your life has a special use and it's for the Lord. That's what a saint means. The, the faithful brethren to the saints and faithful. Faithful means reliable. Those brothers and sisters that are reliable, you can count on. They're consistent. In where? In Colossae. 
And again, Paul is, he cares about these precious people. He's never met them before. And again, it's so beautiful. Paul loved them without ever meeting them. But isn't that what the love of Jesus does in our lives? The love of Jesus is so powerful and how it gets worked out in our lives. We begin to start to care for people we don't even know. You know what I'm saying? We begin to care and love people we don't even know. If that's not, listen, if that's not a reality in your life, brother or sister, it needs to be. Because it's a mark of someone that is a saint, someone that is born again, someone that belongs to God. We can't come in here on Sunday morning or Wednesday and say, I love the Lord. I hate this dude sitting over here next to me. It just, it's, it, John writes in his letter, he says, that's, that's bogus. You're walking in darkness if you don't love your brother. And so this is, Paul's the real deal. He's a great example to us. And, and listen, if you're struggling in that, say, Lord, help me to love. Help me to do that. This morning, confess, number one, of, uh, and repent of that, of unlove. Because if you are a Christian, our lives, Christ, there's, no Christian, there's no Christianity without love. It's to be what marks our lives as Christians and so Paul, his common greeting of the day, grace to you and peace. Where does grace and peace come from? From God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is grace? It's so beautiful. What is grace? It's God's goodness. It's his kindness. It is free. It is free. It is not earned. It's not worked. Do you guys like grace? His loving kindness, his grace. His goodness in your life? Has God been good to you? Do we deserve it? Do we earn it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a really good person like me that's getting better and better each week. Wretch. None of us deserve it. It's free. God's grace. It's from our Father, from Jesus Christ, the Father and Son. They are one. They're, they're a package deal. You can't have one without the other. His grace, it says about Jesus in John chapter 1, he lavishes grace upon grace in our lives. And that's good news this morning, isn't it? He continues to give us grace upon grace, layer upon layer. And then peace, grace and peace. Peace also, and so what is peace? I see a lot of blank stares. What is peace? I heard absence of warring would be one example. Do you remember before you came to know Jesus... You were at war, whether you knew it or not, you were at war with God. Did you guys know that? I didn't. I thought, you know, I'm good with God. I, you know, I go to church, I do this, I do that, I do some good stuff. I'm not as bad as my uncle. I'm in good shape. Not as much a drunk as him, you know, bozo, fornicator as that dude. But then you realize... Wow, I am an enemy of God. But it says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says later that, that uh, in this chapter, this is uh, Romans chapter 5, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So now that we've surrendered to Jesus, now we have peace with God. We're no longer going our own way, fighting against God, doing our own thing, 
living supremely selfish, self-serving lives. We surrender. Now we have peace with God. But there's also another peace biblically. The peace what? Of God. We learned that, remember, in Philippians 4? Be anxious for some things. Most things. Be anxious for what? For nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God. So there's peace with God and then there's the peace of God. And listen, when you understand grace, there's no struggle anymore. There's peace. You have peace in your life. And then when things come, when we let down our guard, we come to the Lord, back to the Lord in prayer and we thank him. Lord, I'm starting to, to get a little edgy here. I'm starting to get a little frustrated, a little fearful. I got a, some, some worry now in my heart. And what are we told to do? Don't worry, but pray and thank the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out, but you're going to work out for good somehow, some way. And what happens? Boom, the peace of God guards your heart and mind. It's beautiful. And the the work is done. By grace, we stand rightly before God. We don't have to earn righteousness. We don't work for righteousness. It's given to us as a free gift. There's no more trying to please people, trying to measure up. By the way, trying to please people is bondage. Trying to please yourself is bondage. There's only one person we need to please, and that's Jesus. And he's not hard to please. He just wants us to trust him. There's rest. It's been done for us. There's rest in his complete work on the cross. Do you know that this morning? Jesus' last words, it is to tell us type, paid in full. It's not now you need to make monthly installments and no, 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 no. It's done. You stand rightly before God because of his work on the cross and your trust in Jesus Christ. There's rest also in what? In, In him doing a work in me. Philippians 1. Remember what we learned in Philippians chapter 1? Paul said, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can you rest in that? Is there peace in that? That's by grace, isn't it? We don't deserve that. We just simply say, Lord, I'm going to walk in the things you're asking me to walk in, trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to what? He begins to change us internally. And it's glorious. No other religious system can do that. No guru, no program can do that. Only Jesus Christ can do that. That's where peace is found. It's saying, Lord, I'll rest in your work in me. I can rest too that you're working all things together for good. Can you rest in that this morning? Do you have peace? When there's turbulence in your life? You don't have to freak out, bite your nails, hoard a bunch of comfort food be a binge eater, you can rest. You can chill out. We can have peace this morning. Why? Because for those that love Jesus, the promise is he's working all things together for for good. That should bring peace to our hearts. Do you have peace in your heart this morning? Man, by the way, the relationship with him doesn't end if you blow it. It's based upon grace. It's done. Man, you're a child of God. Can you rest in that this morning? Can you rejoice that you're a child of God? Behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Thank you, Lord. We can rest in that. So that's the greeting. Can we get any further this morning? Yes, we can. (laughs) Look Look at what he says. This is so good. 
It's like one of Paul's long run-on sentences. Let's check it out. Paul says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learn from, here's the dude's name, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. That's one long run-on sentence, isn't it? Paul just keeps going and going and going. So we are introduced. Did you see that dude, Epaphras? Apparently, Epaphras has traveled from Colossae to Paul, who is in prison. Where? Where is he in prison at? He's traveled to Rome, and he's told Paul all about what's going on with the believers in the church at Colossae. And so Paul says, look at verse 3. He says, and who is we? Paul and Timothy. They were grateful, they were thankful, praying always for these believers, even though they never met them before. They're praying and they're praying and thankful. It's interesting to me, Paul's thankfulness translated into prayer. Man, wow, God, you're doing awesome work. Thank you for these people. And it turns into a prayer for them. And that's a great thing. That's one thing we can do is pray for others, isn't it? Can you pray for others? We are to pray without ceasing. Here's an example of that. Paul's like, we pray all, people that they never met before, we're praying for you. Are there people you can pray for that you never met? Our brothers and sisters around the world, say thank you, Lord, for those on the front lines, those in Sudan, those in Afghanistan. Lord, would you give them strength? Would you bless them? Would you give them more love for you and more love for those people that are persecuting them? There's plenty of ways we can pray for people that we don't even know. Are you with me? This is a great example from Paul. Why is Paul thankful? Look at verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So what was remarkable about the believers at Colossae? Their, number one, their trust in the Lord. They came to trust in a person. They came to trust in Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he did for them. They're not trusting in a church, not trusting in a denomination, not trusting in an organization or a movement. Paul's like, we are so thankful for your trust in Jesus Christ. They were trusting, they were, they not only put their trust in the Lord, they were trusting in Jesus Christ. The just shall live by, by faith. They came into a genuine relationship with the Lord. And so Paul is thankful, number one, for their faith, and then number two, for their what? Their love for most of the believers? Just the ones they really liked? (laughs) 
just to the ones just the ones of their same demographic, their subculture. They had a love for every believer. That's awesome. They had a real, genuine, sacrificial love for every believer. And isn't that what happens when you come into a real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? When you are abiding in him, Jesus said, abide in me, be connected in me, and you will bear much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. What's remarkable, remarkable about their lives, what's noteworthy. Can you imagine the conversation as Epaphras came there? Pulls into Paul's prison cell. Dude, you would, I don't think he said that. <laughs> you would not believe the, the believers in Colossians. You would not believe, I think he's the pastor there too, by the way. You would not believe these precious people. I get the privilege of pastoring. They're trusting in Jesus. They came to know Jesus personally, and it translated into what? To them loving everybody, loving one another. It's so amazing to see them sacrificing and giving and sharing and caring for one another. And not only that, look what it says. Their hope, verse 5. They have hope. To what? Listen, biblical hope is different than worldly hope. Correct? The hope that we have is the absolute expectation of good. It's not wishful thinking. Like some of us, not here, I hope I hit the lottery. I know you guys are not doing that. I hope I strike it rich in the lottery. Well, chances are you're not going to. That's wishful thinking. That's worldly hope. Or I hope I get all A's this year. Yeah? No? Okay. Let's see. That's wishful thinking, right? <laughs> Biblical hope is what? It's based upon who Jesus is and what his word says, the promises he's given us. We have a living hope because of a living Lord who came and gave his life and rose again from the dead, demonstrating that everything he said is true. Our hope is in him. Our hope, our trust is in the Lord. And in this precious people in Colossae, that's what they were noted for. Faith, hope, and love. Those, th those three are a big deal, by the way. They're not just theological ideas, but super important. As we see this, they're real spiritual building blocks, faith, hope, and love, things that should be growing and flowing in our lives. And so the just shall live by faith, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You spend time in the word, you get to know not just the word of God, but the God of the word. And what begins to happen when you know him more and you're abiding in him, your love begins to flow and grow. And not only that, you begin to hold on to the precious promises. And there is hope in our lives, not only for the life to come, but also in this life as well. Our hope begins to grow. And so when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you have hope. It's so beautiful. Hope is the anchor for our souls. And then notice what he says in verse 5. He says, of which you heard... Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And so we he's speaking about heaven here, the hope that we have. And we have a glorious hope of heaven, don't we? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. 
What's the cure for a troubled heart? What does Jesus say? Let not your heart be troubled. Anybody ever get a troubled heart here? Not me, pastor. I'm strong. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Some turbulence. Your heart will get troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were, where's the Father's house, by the way? It's in heaven. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You can put your name right in there this morning. St. Nick, put it right in there, buddy. St. Brian, put it right in there, bro. St. Cynthia, put it right in there. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know what that means? Jesus is coming for you and me, for his bride. It's called the rapture of the church, and it is imminent at any moment. To take us, to meet with him in the air, to bring us to the Father's house, to the place the best carpenter in the whole wide world is making a place for you right now. That's like 20% of the room, amen. That's like amenable stuff, by the way. That's the hope that we have, the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before when the gospel was shared with you. Look at the end of verse 5. The good news was shared, the gospel. If someone asked you, what is the gospel? I love uh, just a simple 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 3, Paul said, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Real simple. The power is in the Gospel. Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul said there, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, simply the gospel, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is for anybody, you guys, sharing this simple good news with people and allowing God's Holy Spirit to work in their heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what happened in Colossae. And Paul's like, man, we heard about you guys. And what was the result of them receiving the gospel? Faith, hope, love, hearing the truthfulness of the gospel. And so, verse 6, which has come to you, the gospel was brought to them, as it has also in all the world. Isn't that interesting? At that point, the gospel had spread throughout all the world. No cell phones, no internet. Correct? No telegraph, no telegrams, no emails. Just people whose lives have been changed by the gospel, going and sharing with the lost about the one that has changed their lives, Jesus Christ. Listen, the testimony of a changed life is powerful. Has your life been changed? Listen, has your life been... Have you experienced change in your life since you've come to know Jesus Christ? Listen, if there hasn't been a change, then there hasn't been a change. And if there hasn't been a change, guess what? There hasn't been a change. There needs to be a change because if any man be in Christ, he is a 
new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There should be some change in our lives. For some of us, it's super rapid. Some of us, it's a little slower, incremental. But there should be some. It is impossible. Listen this morning. It is impossible for God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and there be no change whatsoever. There's going to be change because it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So there will be change in our lives. And that's what happened. People with changed lives, sharing the gospel, bringing forth fruit. Look at verse 6. The gospel brings fruit, right? Bringing forth fruit. Bringing forth fruit where? All over the world and in Colossae. Paul says, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth ever since the good news was brought to you and by the way i would say the good news is meant to be taken to others did you guys catch that isn't that what jesus said the great commission where where do we find the great commission by the way what's the great commission you guys remember the great commission does anybody remember you get an extra donut today keep it roy would you mark those people that don't Matthew where? 28. Thank you. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Teaching them to observe or to do all the things I've commanded you, Jesus said. All the things I've told you to do, I want you to teach them. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Isn't that beautiful? Wherever you go, where you're sharing the gospel, Jesus is right there with you to help you. It's not the, it's not the great omission, it's the great commission. The gospel is meant to be brought. That's what the crew did, that's what the team did last night. They went and shared the gospel, being obedient to Jesus, to preach the gospel to all creatures, Mark 16, and when, when we are, Romans 10 tells us when we're doing that, how can they hear unless a preacher comes? How can they go unless they're sent? Correct? Isn't that what it says? Something like that, Romans 10? How beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news or, or share the glad tidings. So whenever you're cruising around with your little footies sharing the good news, God looks down and says, those are some beautiful feet. They may look gnarly. Someone's got gnarly feet. It's Okay. When God looks at your feet, when you're sharing the good news, he says, those feet are beautiful. Why? Because your feet are being used what they're meant to be used for. Is delivering good, de- delivering good news to people. Not a, lot of, not a lot of good news out there today. Are you with me? You guys watch the news? It's gnarly. It's, you know, what's truth? What's error? What's lies? What's not? What's... Someone's getting canceled. Someone's getting lifted up. Here's what the truth is right here. So that we're able to discern between right and wrong. And so they heard, look what it says, they heard, they knew, they came to know God's grace. And Paul was thankful. And by the way, the good news is a message of grace. See that? The grace of God in truth. Paul was thankful that the gospel was bringing forth fruit, not only globally, but in their lives as well. And so, listen, men and women are still in need of hope. Do you know that this morning? Men and women are still in need 
of hope. Men and women are still in need of love. Men and women are still in need of forgiveness. And listen, it's all, it's all rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the grace of God. Their lives need to be, just like the Lord is fixing and changing our lives, there are people all around us that need their lives fixed and changed, and there's only one who can do it, it's Jesus Christ. In any human being, the gospel helps men and women connect with him. So, don't move from the gospel. The gospel changed your life. He's changed our lives. And then look at verse 7 with me. This is so interesting to me. He says, so not only did they hear it and did they know the grace of God, but they also, look at verse 7, as you also learned from Epaphras. The Colossians learned about God's grace from who? It's okay if you say it wrong. (laughs) They learned about the grace of God, the gospel, the good news, the grace of God and truth from Epaphras. Hey, what are people learning from your life? I don't mean to like drop a conviction sandwich in your lap this morning, but just stop and think about that. What are people learning? Are people learning about God's grace from you? Are they learning about forgiveness and love, the love of Jesus? Take a message for me. We're on a roll. Just, a, just I think it's just a simple application question. What are people learning from your life? You also learn from Epaphras. Look at how Paul describes him. Our dear fellow servant. Paul says he's part of the team. He's our fellow servant. What, what does a servant do? So, so not, not ours. Why are you insulting our intelligence, Pastor? I think it's good to be reminded a servant lives to make other people's lives better. A servant lives to make other people's lives better. And Paul's like, he's part of the team. He's a fellow servant. His his life was following the example of Jesus Christ who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Not only that, he's a faithful minister of Christ. Faithful, he's reliable. Man, when when he would sign up for something, he would do it. He's consistent, not a flake, not a phony. Someone you can count on in ministry. A faithful minister. Isn't that beautiful? No? Is that so-so? Okay. Isn't that what... Don't you like faithfulness? Spouses, you like faithfulness with your spouse? How about the mailman? You guys like a faithful mailman? Male person, they change it now? Can I say mailman? Is that like, okay? It's like there's no humor anymore either. Aren't, but don't, aren't you grateful for your... They deliver the... Don't you expect your mail on time to be there? Your package? Rain, sleet, snow, freeze, heat wave... You don't want your male person saying, oh, man, it was just too hot. <laughs> Pastor, you still pay your bills by mail? What's the matter with you, man? Some of them, yeah. 
You still expect stuff in the mail? I do. Don't you? You guys do Amazon? Oh, I, I paid for the extra thing. It'd be here in two days, like two weeks. Do you expect a faithful Amazon person to deliver the goods? Do you, do you expect a faithful? Do you? God expects us to be faithful stewards of what he's given to us. Of his things. Of things of the kingdom. Our testimony. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The word of God. Because we do want to hear those words, don't we? As we step through the veil into eternity. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because so many of us say, I'm going to hear those words when, you know, I'm not too sure. Are you a faithful servant? I know Jacob heard those words when he went through the veil. No question about it. No question. Why? Because his life bore testimony. Epaphras is going, listen, these people, what's going on in their lives, there's fruit being born. And what did they learn from their pastor? They learned from their pastor Epaphras to be faithful, to serve, to lay down your life. That's love. That's what they were learning from him. Is that what it said? This is what you learned from this dude? His teaching was not just heard, it was seen with their eyes. He modeled, he taught and modeled grace and servanthood and faithfulness. For those of us in leadership, all of us really are in leadership, you lead your home. This is something that needs to be modeled. Not just taught, do as I say, not as I do, man. Anybody ever ever heard that? My uncle lived with us for a number of years when I was growing up. That's what he would say. Do as I say, not as I do, boy. I grew up thinking that, okay. It's bogus, man. Not only teach it, but model it as well. And so, you know, why is Paul even why is Paul even saying this about Epaphras? Remember what's going on in Colossae? What's being introduced into the church there? False teaching. Heretics. You know, heretics are hairy ticks. Ticks suck blood. That's how I remember them. <laughs> I gotta, somehow I got to remember stuff. That's how you do it. Heretics. Hairy ticks. They suck the life right out of you. They're coming to suck the life out of the body with their false teaching. New age stuff. Legalism. We'll learn all about the stuff later on. All the junk. New age, just old junk wrapped up. Lies. But why is, Paul, why is Paul like saying this? Because here's the deal. Heretics, those who try to promote what is false, those who try to lead astray, those who do damage to the body of Christ, not only attack the doctrine, but guess who else they attack? They attack the pastor. And Paul's like, listen, the dude who's been teaching you, he's the real deal. Paul's vouching for him. Isn't that great? So-so, it's pretty cool. We need good, sturdy shepherds. Dudes, in the day and age we live in, this is, this is, this is, for, the, this is for the dudes in the fellowship. We need good, sturdy shepherds, okay? That aren't going to bend and flex and be milk toast, spineless. But men that are full of grace and truth for such a time as this. 
just like our Jesus, being faithful servants, faithful ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would say shepherdesses too. Don't want to leave you out this morning. Sturdy shepherdesses. Verse 8. Can we finish? We can. I thought we were going to go further, but apparently not. <laughs> so Epaphras also declared to Paul and Timothy what? Your love in the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? He just couldn't shut up about their love. And Paul, remember how the conversation began? Paul, you would not believe. Timothy, dude, check it out. The church in Colossae, it's radical what's going on there. The work of the Spirit. They put their trust in Jesus. They're trusting the Lord. They're walking by faith, not by sight. Man, they are loving. Did I mention they're loving? And their hope, man, They've got a hope of heaven. They're living for heaven. It's not just a destination. It's their motivation. They're storing up their treasures in heaven. Did I mention they love too? That's what's going on. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. The Colossians were abiding in Jesus and bearing much fruit to the glory of God. It's not hard. They weren't sweating trying to produce fruit. Correct? You guys ever seen a fruit tree sweating, struggling? Anybody ever seen that happen? I grew up in Orange County, California. And guess what there were a lot of when I was growing up? Blank County, or a lot of oranges. We lived right by the orange groves. And you'd come out of your house, and oh, that time of year where the orange blossoms, the, the Santa Ana winds would be blowing the, oh, wow, it smells awesome. And then... It would smell good. You get closer to the orange groves and you look and see if the owner was there. I'm, forgive, I'm forgiven now completely in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and you go and you look, you look both ways, but not up, right? And it would be glorious fruit. I never once heard a tree going, oh, I got to produce fruit, sweating and... Do you know that? No trees were doing that. It just happened naturally. Those branches were abiding in the trunk, bearing forth sweet fruit to the glory of the owner of the place that I ripped off. <laughs> Let's swing it around and make it spiritual. Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. Happens naturally in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, you're so good. So kind. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for rescuing us, and giving us a fresh start, forgiving us, and continuing to give us grace and forgiveness and second chances. Thank you for the changes in our lives, how you fix us and mold us and shape us, and, and that you didn't leave us as orphans, that you're with us no matter where we go, no matter what we're going through. We can trust you that you are faithful. Help us, Lord. We want to be faithful as well, to represent a faithful God, a loving God, to love. 